Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at W www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the FIGHT podcast, Sergio Vicente. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the FIGHT podcast. I'm your host as always, Serge Vicente, and we have a great show lined up for you today. Um... Crazy press conferences, people coming back when they're not supposed to, guys getting so tired that they can't stand up and they're comparing it to their wedding day and all kind of good stuff, Uh, prospect alert and so much more on episode 30 of the Fight Podcast. Remember, the Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the fight podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente support the show by checking us out on the website thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate share the show is on iTunes and SoundCloud and don't forget to purchase merch today yeah man it's a beautiful evening here in Chicago actually it's not even evening I'm gonna stun it's 1056 at night <laughs> Long day. I've uh, been running around, but man, I want to make. I had to get this episode out because how could I not touch on that McGregor Khabib press conference this past weekend? Um, that we got John Jones coming back early. We have this week's prospect alert and a lot, lot more. Um, you know what? We're going to do something a little different today. I'm going to go ahead because I really, 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 really wanted to talk about this dude. I've been watching film on him for a while, but um, look, without further ado, this week, episode 30's Prospect Alert. Yeah! <laughs> this week's Prospect Alert is Ricardo Hamos. He is 12 and 12 and 1. He is on a 4-5 fight winning streak and he was discovered on Dana White's looking for a fight. So most times I'm not going to give too much credence to the guys that are on that show because look, yes, we have a couple good ones. You got Sage Northcutt, who I don't think is the greatest, but you have a couple really, really, really solid guys. This one, this guy, 100% is worth it. So check this out. Ricardo Ramos, he is from Brazil. One of the top prospects to come out of Brazil. And I'm be honest with you, it is so, so good seeing Brazil with dudes like 
um, Paulo Costa and, you know, uh, Ramos himself coming out of Brazil and really having some young up and coming talent coming from that part of the world again. When I was coming up again, look, I'm only 32, but when I was coming up watching Brazil was like watching MMA, whatever Brazil was doing, all the top guys were coming out of Brazil all the legends came out of Brazil. And then it, after, look, I'm not going to stunt, after, you know, USADA and a couple other things, it seemed as if Brazil's athletes kind of dropped a little bit. So it's really, really refreshing, man, to see some of these super dope dudes come back and really show that Brazil has so much talent still out there. So check this out. Hamos is one of only two UFC fighters to win a fight via spinning back elbow. If you didn't get a chance to check it out, you need to. He ended up knocking out the great, the younger brother of the great trainer and mentor to George St. Pierre, um, Faraz Sahabi. He went out there and in the second round of this match earlier this year, oh my God, I, I haven't seen anything like it. It was one. Actually, you know what? The only thing I've seen like it was Gaston Bolanos in Bellator um, actually earlier this year as well. I digress. He ended up KO in this dude with the most perfectly placed spinning back elbow. And here's the thing that is not all he has. He is a Brazilian champion in jiu-jitsu, black belt, monster on the ground. But his striking looks like this dude is a world-class caliber kickboxer. He's finished nine out of his 12 fights. Six of them by submission. He's 23 years old, but with already 13 fights, he has so much experience. When you watch this kid, he has great timing with his counter shots. Wherever he is, he slides out of the way, throws beautiful combinations, and he doesn't just fire back with one shot. He fires back with combinations. Left hook upstairs, straight right to the body, Teep to the body, hook back upstairs, jab, uppercut, turns around, shoot to takedown, back up to the top. This kid is one of the most well-versed and fun fighters that I've seen. And he's in the same vein as, look, a lot of these young guys. Zabit comes to mind. Very dynamic Dynamic guys who can grapple and who can strike. This is the new generation. They're long. They're lean. They're not too heavy. Even though I'm be very honest with you, Hamos, who fights at 135 pounds, is very, very big for the weight class. He's tall. He's long. He's heavy. He walks around probably around 155 pounds. So he easily cuts 20 pounds to this weight class. I'm not going to say it's an easy cut, but he easily has to cut at least that much weight. The dude is legitimate, man. So check this out. Like I was saying, he varies his attack extremely well. He throws to the body. He throws to the head. He kicks in different locations. Not only does he throw those spinning elbows and spinning back fists, he throws beautiful spinning back kicks, hook kicks and everything else. Hamos has a great fight, and his last time out was against this super, super tough Korean fighter, Kang. Um, he showed so great takedown defense. He scrambles well, and that's something that you notice with a lot of young fighters, especially fighters that don't have a lot of experience. 
Their scrambling ability isn't, especially if they're not as well-versed on the ground. But he never seems to lose his composure. If he gets hit and don't get it twisted, his last fight against Kang, he got cracked a couple times. Kang is a super solid guy. Dude was, what, 15 to 0 or something ridiculous? Dude is a beast. But Hamos was able to take his shots, absorb his shots, and dish out not one, two, three, four, five, that much more of his own. Dude is a monster. Um, his defense, like I was talking about, is very, very impressive. Not only does he stay calm and composed, he gets hit, he continues moving. But again, he's never in position to really get hit that hard. He slips punches extremely well. If he's on the ground, he's not going to be on the ground for long. He gets right back up. He does a great job of actually using his butterflies, getting his feet on people's hips, pushing them away so he's able to stand right back up. He's also really great and really versed in his wrestling, his wizard. So if someone comes in, Kang in his last outing had a couple of extremely, extremely deep takedowns, really deep on his hips. And Hamos um, had to shoot his hips back, got a great wizard. And a wizard is again, he was able to uh, hook the arm and was able to kind of get himself right back up without any issues. The dude is solid, man. I can't stunt. Um... He is someone who is going, we need to look out for. 135 pounds has some monsters. Again, we have the King TJ Dillashaw. We have Cody Garbrandt, who is right there. Um, we, we have, uh, dude, Marlon Marias. I'm going to be honest with you. This kid in the next year, by the end of 2019, mark my words, he is going to be able to compete with some of these guys. And he will if the UFC knows what they're doing. So that is it for this week's Prospect Alert. Episode 30's Prospect Alert is the 12 and 1. Ricardo Hamos fighting out of Brazil. Boom. All right. Much love to uh, Ricardo Hamos. Seriously, man, if you guys haven't had an opportunity to check him out, you need to. He's really good. And UFC, and again, I give them a lot of trash because a lot of times they deserve it. But some of these up and coming, the talent that they have, some of this young talent, if they bring them along the right way, they have every opportunity and every ability to be just as great, if not greater, than the McGregors of the world, the Rouseys of the world, the people that the organization has really pushed. These guys have the opportunity to be just as legitimate, just as big, because skill-wise, pound for pound, at that point in these superstars' careers, these kids are better. It's crazy. The people that are actually able to be brought up and they're not just like when I was coming up and I'm not going to lie. It's, it's not like I'm mean, again, I'm not an old dude. I'm 32. But when I started training in MMA, it was what, 10, 12 years ago. You were a stand up dude. You were a grappling dude. Or girl. So these kids are growing up learning everything. They're growing up learning MMA, not just kickboxing, not just boxing, not just wrestling, not just jujitsu. They're learning MMA. So you have these super athletes who are well-versed in every aspect of the sport 
from the time they were like eight years old, man. It's a beautiful thing to see. It's really, really cool to see the growth of the sport. I love it, and I, and I can't wait to continue seeing the development. Now, speaking of superstars, this past weekend at the Rockefeller Center in New York City, beautiful New York City, uh, one of my favorite cities in the world, my honestly, probably my favorite city aside from Chicago. It was a much-anticipated press conference the first time that Khabib the, the, the 155-pound UFC champion, lightweight champion, Khabib Nargamagadov. Whoa, that sounded awful. <laughs> Khabib, man, it is a long day. Nemargamedov. Sorry about that, man. Uh, but Khabib and Conor McGregor finally faced off for the first time. So as we probably expected, Conor showed up late to the press conference, but... Something ridiculous like 4 million people. Now, um, before I get into that, this press conference for some reason was actually closed to the public. So the only people that were actually in the building, and again, I think I talked about this a little bit. Not really, I talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but I want to make sure I kind of really dive into this. Because the more I thought about it, and again, I did go back and watch the press conference again. There were some things that I really want to address. And I don't think enough people are addressing. So jumping back into the beginning. The press conference is closed to the public. It's only media. Dana. The two fighters. And obviously their teams. And it goes pretty much like you would think it would go. And honestly, in my opinion, it was going to go one of two ways. Because there was no crowd, essentially, you might get a kind of subdued Connor. Or because there was nobody, you're going to get this like way over the top. And Connor didn't, didn't disappoint and we ended up getting the latter. So he comes in. With, might I add you, an impeccable suit. Dude does have style. I would never, never, ever, ever take that from him. So he comes in with a beautiful suit on. Into he's carrying a bottle of his own brand of Irish whiskey. I believe it's called Proper 12. I don't like Irish whiskey, so I probably won't try it. He says it's better than Jameson, and my response to that is... Thank you. <laughs> if that's the case, I love whiskey, but that Irish whiskey is not what's up. But uh, this dude goes out here. He, he brings his bottle of Irish whiskey. And the, the media starts asking questions. And they're asking, you know, standard questions about the, the bus incident and all, all kind of are you ready why haven't you talked all, all the, the the normal stuff right and while all this is going on connor is you know he, he's he's drinking you know he's drinking he's talking he's doing his thing now one thing i have to give connor credit for is that he does a phenomenal job 
and actually he goes around, he moves the goalpost on you. And that's something that he does consistently to his, his adversaries. He talks about something that's not really relevant. He does his research and he attacks. So this press conference, he kept on bringing up Khabib not coming out of the bus, right? And he's talking about the Dolly Throne incident. For those of us who don't know, you must have been under a rock. <laughs> but if you weren't, um, what he talked about is when Conor McGregor, UFC, was it 226 or something like that? Um, he ended up, it was in Brooklyn. He grabbed the dolly, threw the dolly through the window, injured a couple of athletes, a couple, couple crazy things. He ended up getting um, arrested, having to spend the night in jail in New York. All the craziness. And we all know this thing. And one thing Connor said is like, hey, he's calling Khabib out. He says Khabib is scared because he came up to the bus with his hands up, showing that he doesn't have doesn't have any weapons. And Khabib should have come out and fought him right there. Now, let, let's actually think about this logically. First and foremost, they weren't going to let Khabib out of that bus. He had a championship fight to fight that evening. He was headlining the main card. And his team already, not even his team, his opponent already switched like three times within a couple of days. So one thing they didn't want to do, because obviously they didn't want the entire event to get messed up, is that they said, no, Khabib, man, sit your butt right over there. Hell no, we're not going to let you off the bus. But, and we all know that, logical individuals know that. But Conor's doing an amazing job of, again, moving the goalposts. He's changing the narrative. He's making the narrative. He's making us all think because he says it over and over and over again. Man, it sounds like another orange narcissist, I know. But he, he, he continues <laughs> changing the narrative. So that his people who follow him start believing in that narrative. Yeah. Khabib didn't come out the bus. Yeah. Kyrie didn't have a weapon. Why didn't he come out? He should have fought him. You know, we knew that wasn't going to happen. And Connor knew that wasn't going to happen also. That's why he did it. One thing Connor does better than anybody else is he promotes the fights. Now, do I think that, or do I think that he believed it was going to get as far as it did? No, I think his emotions got the better of him in the moment. And he did a boneheaded thing. We all do bonehead things. I think this is pretty egregious. And I've been very vocal on how I feel about Connor and this type of stuff. But still, Connor knows how to, you know, work the media and all those stuff to his advantage. And the UFC helps him with that. So he goes out there, he's changing the narrative, he's talking all kind of trash. And Khabib, for the most part, is staying very, very stoic. 
until Connor starts talking about his dad. And you can see that kind of gets him a little bit. Now, one thing I will say, media, you have to do better. You have to do better. You need to be a professional media person that's going to ask real questions. Because the fanboy stuff that I actually witnessed at the press conference is inexcusable. You have media members looking like groupies. Hey, Connor, what are you going to do? How are you going to win it? That is so trash to sit there and actually not ask these individuals who are on stage. Yes, we already know they're going to put on a show. That is their job. Connor is going to put on a show. But one thing, if you actually notice when Connor is asked an intelligent question, he tends to answer back in an intelligent manner, especially if it's not fully to do with his opponent. Yes, he had all the extra stuff, but still, and I'm going to talk about the extra stuff in a second, but media members, I feel like there's only like five good ones. Because the rest of them are fanboys. It's crazy. And don't get it twisted. I'm a fight junkie. I'm a fight nerd. I love it. But if I have the opportunity to go out there and talk to Connor, and, and that was the and that's the excuse, right? People say that they don't want to say the wrong thing because they don't want Connor to berate them the same way. And then social media comes on their head. And so pretty much they're scared. If you're scared to do your job, have somebody else do it. Give me that opportunity. I'll ask Connor. I'll talk to him. And if he clowns me, whatever. All that means is I have another couple million people figuring out who the heck I am. People need to use those things for their advantage, man. What are they doing? They're afraid that Connor's going to talk trash. You all grew up here in Chicago, man. I'm used to people. I remember being in elementary school, sitting at the lunch table, just clowning each other. It happens. That's what people do. That's what kids do. So the fact that these media members that are afraid of that, yeah, that that's weak. And I'm not a fan of that. But, um... The extracurriculars. Now, I know I'm all over the place today, but it's all right. (laughs) Connor is promoting his beverage the entire press conference, Proper 12. He's pouring a shot, and and he's using partially because he wants to go ahead and distract um, and get under Khabib's skin. Khabib is a devout Muslim. Uh, He doesn't drink. He, he he believes it's against his religion and nobody should drink. So he's vehemently against it. What does Connor do? Which I think is genius. You really want to get under somebody's skin. He offers him a drink, whatever. Now, this is where, for me, the problem started. He hands a glass to Dana White and Dana White has a toast right there with Connor McGregor. Yo, fam, what are you doing? 
you're really going to go out there and and that's already that shows that we already know that the UFC favors Conor McGregor. He makes them all kind of cash. Of course, they should favor him. But they're letting him go out there. And the the president of the company is over here toasting it up with Buddy. Yeah, that seems a little backwards. So I kept watching. I, I thought that I looked at it, I was like, yeah, that's kind of weird. But I kept watching. Connor proceeds to like take at least six shots while doing it. Whatever. He's a great athlete. He if he wants to drink, let him drink. I'm I'm not mad at that. He goes out there though afterwards, and he and he, he says something along the lines of the UFC is now sponsored by Proper Twelve, and Proper Twelve will be on the the canvas during the fight and, and during McGregor's fights. Dana White confirms that at the end of the press conference and confirms McGregor promotions or whatever. There's two camps in this, and two ways of thought. Some people say, oh, this is great. Look, a fighter's figured it out. The organization is bending to that fighter's will and needs and whatever. I can see that. I understand that. The other camp says, wow. That is a conflict of interests. And that's the camp that I'm in. Yo, how can you promote the fight? This man is a, well, I guess he's technically a co-promoter, but still, he's an employee of the UFC. Now, the UFC is also giving him the sponsorship rights as well. So they're cutting them a check for that. Pause. So they're allowing him to have outside sponsorships and he can actually get more money in his pocket. Didn't they take that away from all the other fighters? You remember when they used to have their shirts look like NASCAR and they had all their sponsors on it? Brennan Shaw, who I'm again, I'm very critical of from time to time, said he used to make over six figures strictly off of the, the patches on his shorts. And he showed the pay stubs and the tax returns to prove it. Conflict of interest, because what you're telling me is that it's okay for this guy to make money. But none of the other fighters, the other 600 fighters on the stable, they can't make money that way? What? And not only are they showing that, they're also showing favoritism in the fight. Obviously, they want Conor McGregor to win. If you're Khabib, how do you feel about that? It's like, dude, they don't even want me to win. They don't even care. Now, does he use it as motivation? I'm sure he does. He's a savage. But 
But I, I really do look at it as is unfair because you do not allow other individuals in the game to make any access money. It is already proven that the UFC, this $4 billion company, only pays out to their athletes at 7%. When most other sports organizations pay out to their athletes 46% of the money that's actually coming in. So that means to tell me the fat cats, the powers that be, are making all the cash and they're making the people that people are paying to watch. I do not turn on the UFC to watch Dana White. We turn on the UFC to watch the fighters. So the fact that they're allowing that to happen, those guys are getting paid, and now they're just brought Connor into the good old boys club? That's cool. Does every and again, unfortunately, nothing is going to happen until these fighters actually get smart and have an opportunity to union up. And they need to. Otherwise, things like this are going to continue to happen and they will continue to get taken advantage of. It is utterly ridiculous, man. And I truly, it, man, it, it, it hurts my heart for the guys that are already in there. I feel bad for Khabib. Look, at the end of the day, Connor, get your money. I'm not mad at anybody for making their cash. But what I am upset about is that they are stopping everybody else from making that access money. And they're making an exception for one guy. And that just doesn't sit well with me, man. All right. Remember, you are listening to the fight podcast and we are brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente and support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Subscribe, listen, rate, share on iTunes and SoundCloud. That's where the show lives. (laughs) And don't forget to purchase merch. Yeah, man, I don't know. <laughs> That's um, all I'm going to say about uh, McGregor and, and the press conference. I stand by it. I think it's a conflict of interest. You're allowing everybody else. You're allowing one man to make money and everybody else is getting peanuts. I think that's wrong. All right, moving on. And I'm going to talk about this later. I have a couple special guests uh, the rest of this week. And uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more in depth. But we all know when I talked about this last week, but John Bones Jones has been cleared to come back. And Dana White is saying that he is not headlining that card in November at Madison Square Garden. Man, why are we letting him back then? So I still think, and I can't lie, I'm still holding on hope that that will actually happen. But, and I'm going to keep this short, <laughs> but 
I'm calling it, and I still think that this is going to happen. I believe that John Jones will be fighting Alexander Gustafson for that spot uh, in at Madison Square Garden for the possibly the vacant 205-pound championship. Now, they have recently just announced, and Ariel Hwani earlier today, and today is Wednesday the 26th, he went ahead and announced that the UFC is talking about having Alexander Gustafson fight against Yoel Romero for the vacant 205-pound title. Interesting. Um, but one thing I did want to talk about is... Is it just me or is something kind of weird going on with the John Jones, uh, him coming back? And what I found is strange is that so he was up for a two to four years up to up to four years suspension because he is a a multiple time uh, abuser and he pissed hot multiple times. This will be his third time, but this will be only his second time with PEDs. The first time was with cocaine. Hey, he likes to party. So it's whatever. <laughs> so he goes out there and um, they say that they believe he unintentionally took the, the product. So they said his PEDs, they didn't think he meant to do it. Okay, that's weird. But so most guys, when that happens, they still have to get a suspension regardless. Happened to Yoel Romero, happened to Tim Means, happened to a couple other guys. (laughs) And then they drop the suspension a little bit more because they say John Jones... Well, one, they say they dropped it even more because they say they don't believe he did it intentionally. That seems backwards. And then they dropped it again because they say he is cooperating with USADA and giving them information about like the real PED, like the information within the PED world and realm in <laughs> in the UFC. Yo, that's kind of well wild. Is he getting like rewarded for being a snitch? Is that what it is? Or is that Uncle Dana working his magic? I don't know. I'm gonna go ahead and put that up on our Twitter poll this week. And I wanna know what everyone gotta say about it, but uh I just found that to be interesting, man. How crazy is that? Look, John Jones is a wild dude. Do I believe he? Yes, I think he is the greatest talent to ever compete in MMA to this point. But the UFC does make exceptions for their stars. John is a star. Brock Lesnar, who pisses hot every time. That dude sweats PEDs. They let him come back, back and forth. Conor McGregor, Ronda Rousey. Every, all these, all their stars, they make exceptions for. 
And it seems as if with all the stars being tied up, think about it. Nate Diaz fighting Dustin Poirier. Daniel Cormier is fighting Brock. Tyre Woodley, he's out. Just had hand surgery. Yo Romero, he's out. Orbital bone. Luke Rockhold, tied up. Chris Weidman, tied up with Luke Rockhold. It goes on and on. What stars are actually free right now? What heavyweights are free? Volkov is about to fight the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. So really, the only person that there is for him to fight coming up, I mean, not only John Jones, but what stars do they have aside from Connor coming up right now? What else are people really going to get excited about? So I think this is Uncle Dana working some of his magic. I'm very, very curious to see what's actually going to happen. But uh, hey, whatever it is, I'm down for it. I am super down to go ahead and watch another Alexander Gustafson against John Jones. And honestly, wait up. I just came to my, uh, yeah, check it out. Just announced right now, according to Dana White, the UFC is trying to book John Jones against Alexander Gustafson for a fight on UFC 232, December 29th. Whoa, dude, I swear, this is right as I was talking to you. I just had this alert pop up. All right, so that's what they're trying to do with John. Hmm, interesting. Well, well hey, we, I will absolutely keep uh, you guys in tune with what's going on with that. And uh, we will see. Moving right along. <laughs> Fan questions. All right. Your turn to talk. And uh, we have a couple of good questions this week, man. I really do appreciate everybody who goes ahead and um, and asks and uh, and participates. I really do appreciate the more and more people we get, the more questions I get to answer. And um this is an opportunity for you guys to really, you know, just get your answers, uh, your questions answered. And I love being able to do this, man. I love being able to interact and uh, really, you know, I feel like this adds a lot to the show. So uh, first question I got. Why it is why in the world with the UFC not allowing fans into wait, wait, why in the world? I guess they say with the UFC not allow fans into the press conference. Seems like it could have taken a lot of energy and excitement out of the event. Looks like that's more of a statement. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> also, does it show how McGregor is still the best at promoting entertaining with no audience and still able to make a semi semi exciting press conference? Um, I mean, I think you were making more statements than anything than anything else. But yeah, Connor is definitely the best at entertaining. That is part of his job, and I really do believe that he does better than almost anybody ever. He's able to go out there and a lot of times without anything. I mean, think about it. Jose Aldo didn't speak English. Khabib barely speaks English. Eddie Alvarez really doesn't talk trash back. 
Dennis Seaver. I mean, think about a lot of the guys that he has fought don't really talk. The one who can talk back a little bit was Nate, and Nate actually dictated the pace of a lot of those press conferences. But Connor does an amazing job of, again, like I talked about earlier, he dictates the press conference, he dictates the pace of what's going on. And when he does that, the crowd reacts. People love it. People love how wild he gets. The wilder he gets when he comes in with the El Chapo pants and in the Versace shirts. Or is it Michael Kors now? I don't know. (laughs) When he does all that, people love it. So, yes, as of right now, in all of combat sports, Conor McGregor is by far the best. Um, So, yeah, thank you for that, I guess, statements. Let me see. Hold up. I got a couple more of them. All right. Here's a good one. Uh, this is from Sharif at Sharif. All right. So Sharif says, Anthony Joshua looked very hittable against Povetkin and Klitschko. After seeing these fights, are the odds shifting in Deontay's favor? I think they should. As of right now, I don't, they don't have any odds up at this moment in time, but I'm going to be very honest with you. I think they 100% should. When the fight starts, more than likely, Anthony Joshua will probably end up being a two to one favorite. Maybe even more than that. Might end up being three to one, but he's probably going to end up being somewhere around the lines of a two to one favorite. I don't see them giving him a pick em fight just because I know how much the the British fans are going to go ahead and bet on it, as well as, you know, um, he is a superstar. He's a global superstar. And he's extremely talented as well. I'm not never going to take that away from Anthony Joshua. He is one of the most skilled heavyweight champions that I have ever seen in my life. I still think he's going to lose to Deontay Wilder, but that does not take away about any of his skill set. Um, so, yeah, and he was. He actually is very hittable, but I've talked about that before. As good as the skill set is, He has zero head movement. Might be because he's all jacked up and swole. um, Or it just might be because he's a giant. He's so big. He's not accustomed to people being able to hit him. It's difficult to hit a guy that tall. So, I mean, he's he's 6'5", 6'6". Dude is huge. So, that's probably a lot of it. But yeah, I can see it being 2-1 by the time uh, it starts up. All right, we have uh, a couple more. Let me see what I can get in here. All right, so people ask. They said, uh, Connor questioning Khabib making weight makes me worried. Do you think there's a chance that this fight does not happen? If so, who do you think would replace him? Nate? Dustin? Look, I don't think there is a chance in hell that Khabib misses weight for this fight. I think Khabib understands the magnitude of this fight. And one thing that Khabib kept on talking about during the press conference that I thought was very telling. And you see where this man's head is at. Khabib consistently said throughout the press conference, this is about my legacy. Fighters who are fighting for legacy. It's a different mindset. He hasn't had weight issues in the past few fights. So I'm going to be honest with you. 
I do not see it being an issue on this fight. Seems as if he has his weight under control. Seems as if he has hired somebody that's, you know, I, I don't believe is George Lockhart, who works with the UFC and the UFC uh, PA. Um, but um, I, I do believe he does have somebody there. So, no, I don't see him missing it. Now, if he does, I personally believe that they will... Oof. You have to give that to... I would give to Poye. Nate hasn't fought him forever. It'd be a great opportunity to see a great rematch. Dustin is on an incredible tear right now. He's much better at 155 pounds as compared to 145 pounds. I would love to see that fight again. It'd be incredible. So that would be my bet just because he, uh, Dustin is more active, right? All right, we have one more. I got one more for you guys. I'm happy I got a Bellator one to finish it up. All right, so um, for those of us who don't know, and I will do my breakdowns uh, in the next episode this week, uh, This week, so I'll probably put it out tomorrow or uh, by Friday, definitely. Uh, but Bellator's fight in Dazen is this weekend. And uh, this is at, for, by at Galejos. So with the wind this weekend, do you want to see Aaron Pico against an upper echelon lightweight or just keep him, keep, keep watching him build his record? You're not going to be able to deny Aaron Pico for that much longer. I love what they're doing with him. Bellator is doing an amazing job. They're taking their time. They're giving him tough opponents but opponents that he is really just doing what he wants to with i would like to see them build him a little bit more give him a test after this match somebody a little bit tougher mid-tier and then after that give him maybe one more mid-tier dude so that the end of 2019 early 2020 we're we're starting to push him into a title shot if not giving him a title shot by that point in time that is what i would like to see but as you know i said i'm not going to speak for everybody else i don't know what bellator wants to do it seems as if they are really thinking about what they're doing with buddies so hey we will see but whatever they're doing keep it up aaron pico is one of the most exciting young fighters I've ever seen. A lot of people say it. People say he's like MMA's John Jones or, some, or not John Jones. I'm sorry. Uh, LeBron James. Um, I don't know if I can say that, but dude is ridiculous. So, I, I mean, Olympic caliber wrestling, Golden Glove caliber boxing. I mean, the dude is a beast. He, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but he was Miguel Cotto's sparring, one of his main training partners for Miguel Cotto's last fight. Wow, I was stuttering that. Something nasty. <laughs> he was helping Miguel Cotto train. He was one of Miguel Cotto's last uh, training partners or primary training partners and sparring partners. For like a 21-year-old kid, that is a big deal. So yeah, the yeah, dude is legitimate, man. But hey, this is Serge Vicente, and thank you so much for joining me today on episode 30 
of the Fight Podcast. Um, don't forget this week's this week's prospect alert. Um, Ricardo Hamos. Um, and thank you for everybody who went ahead and uh, participated in your turn to talk portion of the show. This is the Fight Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. We're brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep, fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow me at the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast. And follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking us out on the website, the Fight Podcast com purchase merch today thank you again and i will see you next time right here on the fight podcast boom